This week, we're getting back to the One Good Thing book as we introduce you to another person profiled. It's the interesting story of Dr. Artrell Harris. You'll hear more about him in 90 seconds, right after this message from Alyssa, Dawson, Avery, and Topher from our C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. Hi, I'm Alyssa Harris, a senior at Sumner Academy and a part of the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. My classmates and I had an awesome time at the first annual See You at the Top Golf event. More than 150 people joined, 17 celebrities, all 19 students from the C10 program, plus many of our mentors for a fun night and fundraising. In fact, the event raised more than $50,000 to give students like me mentoring, job and life skill development, service opportunities, and post-high school scholarships. The CU and the Major League's leadership team decided to move the event to spring to make it a celebration of what we're doing throughout the school year. So, do you want to support high school students like me in the Kansas City area while having a great time? If so, I hope you'll join some friends and me for the second annual CU at Top Golf on Thursday night, May 25th in Overland Park. We'll have a fun time hitting golf balls, eating a buffet meal, chatting with local celebrities and media personalities, and raising funds to support mentoring for high school students in our community. Best of all, you'll get a chance to meet many of us in the C10 Leadership Program. Teams start at $1,500, which provides a semester of mentoring for a student. Visit cmajorleagues.org slash topgolf to register. And I hope to see you at Topgolf on Thursday, May 25th. I hope to see you at Topgolf on Thursday, May 25th. I hope to see you at Topgolf on Thursday, May 25th. And I hope to see you at Topgolf on Thursday, May 25th. Hi there, and welcome to episode 105 of the C10 Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. And I thank you in advance for hitting that subscribe button or sharing this on social media or just giving us a review on whatever platform you're listening to or maybe all of the above. Hey, I am Matt Folks, Executive Director of C in the Major Leagues and host of this podcast. I'm also the co-author of a new book that's come out called One Good Thing, Heroes Working to Unite KC. The book is a collection of first-person profiles of people in Kansas City who have done one good thing to promote change here in our community. My co-authors on this book are C in the Major League's founder and board president, Dayton Moore, and Ray Jarrett, the executive director of Unite KC. Periodically throughout the next several weeks, you're going to be hearing more about the book, and specifically, you're going to be hearing from these remarkable people featured in the book. As we recorded interviews for the book, we did so with the idea that they would be used on this podcast. Some of the names in the book, One Good Thing, will be familiar. Names like Rex Hudler and Ryan Lefevre. Others, like this week's guest, may not be. Incidentally, if you'd like more information about the book, you can go to onegoodthingbook.com. That's onegoodthingbook.com. Or click on the link in the show's notes. So far in this occasional series, you've heard from Jeremiah Enna from the Culture House and Will Gurley, founder of the You Matter Festival. Well, this week, you're going to be hearing the inspirational story of Dr. Artrell Harris, the preacher at Roswell Church of Christ and executive director of Christian Family Services. Christian Family Services, or CFS for short, is a nonprofit adoption placement agency in the Kansas City area with the belief that every child has the right to grow up in a loving, nurturing, secure, and beloved home. 
CFS provides counseling and adoptive family connections to women and families as an adoption agency in Kansas and Missouri. Dr. Arthur O'Harris is a native of Middle Tennessee and holds degrees from Tennessee State, Pepperdine, and the Midwestern Theological Seminary. He has more than 25 years of experience managing nonprofit organizations in Tennessee, Indiana, and Kansas City. But he has a unique story and a unique calling, not only to work in the nonprofit world, and many of us in this world consider this a calling, but he's also a preacher. Uh, He was successful as a referee in the college ranks. And so you're going to hear quite a story here over these next few minutes. He is a terrific storyteller and has an incredible heart for people. You'll learn that quickly during this conversation as well. So without further delay, here's this week's chat with Dr. Artrell Harris. Tell me about 17-year-old Artrell Harris. 17-year-old Artrell Harris would have been in Nashville, Tennessee, trying to sort out life. Where was I going? Matter of fact, I started ministry at 17. Didn't know what I got into. 17, some confusion. Where was I going to college? Uh, Great athlete, football player. Had a love for Lord, had a love for people, but was struggling with my call for ministry. Struggling with my call for ministry. Living in a single parent household with my mom, uh, dad not involved, a great athlete quarterback, football team, state runner-up, track and field, but trying to figure out where, who was I, what was my relationship with the Lord, and where was I going? Uh, what were your dreams, uh, not only at that point, but let's say for, you know, from that junior year of high school until maybe 25, 26, 27, what, what did you want to do at that point? I wanted to play pro football. I thought I was good. I wanted to play football. I thought good was good enough. But I learned you got to be great. I pursued, uh, wanted to be in politics. Thought I was going to be a U.S. senator. So it's, 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 I find it odd that me pursuing pro football, and now I get a chance to go and talk and have talk to three or four pro football teams. I just find that that God is still working in that plan. Uh, I wanted to be in politics. I ran for for public office in Evansville, Indiana, and lost the worst one of the worst loss of my life. And God was still saying, "No, son, I don't want you in pro football. I don't want you in politics. I want you in preaching. I want you in ministry. I've got a greater call for you. All that stuff is good, but what you're going to do for me is going to be great." What changed for you in those first few years that that um that you said, you know what, I need to answer God's call. It was not an instant change. I went, I went prodigal son. I went Jonah. Imagine being, claiming that you are a preacher in, in undergrad, not at a seminary. That's tough. Trying to stay away from certain things, stay away from certain temptations. Uh, it was tough. What did that look like? That looked like I went, kind of off the rails a little bit. Uh, had a lot of life experiences, but I'm able to share with guys today, able to share with people today. So at the end of the day, I went prodigal son. I went Jonah. I'm going to go my own way. But eventually, eventually, I, I had to I had to come to grips with his call for my life. It was a struggle. I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, I knew I needed some 
some training. I knew I really needed to submit myself to God. And it would, it would, it would be until from 1987, 88, almost to the year 2000 that I would battle. Yeah, I was at church, but I wasn't really living up to the full potential until I got serious about ministry in about the year of 2000. So what happened at that time to, to really click with you to say, okay, this is, this is what God wants me to do. Yeah. I realized I wanted to help people. What really happened, I had a great job, successful in a nonprofit career, was a, a college referee uh, in, 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 in the college ranks, rising fast, rising fast on the corporate track and realized this is good, but this is empty. It's empty. It's fulfilling in some ways, but it's not fulfilling my deepest calling. So I packed everything up out of Evansville, Indiana. People didn't think I would do it. And I went down to Freed Hardeman in Henderson, Tennessee, was down there and began seminary training, began getting close to God, began purging my mind and my heart, began to be around good people. It was tough. It was an adjustment. But I knew that if I was going to live up to the true calling of what God was going to have for me, God had for me, I was going to have to make those drastic changes. You know, I grew up here wanting to play for the Royals one day. And this was back in the 70s when they were, you know, had great teams at that point. And, and as I mentioned, I went to Lipscomb and was broadcasting. Broadcasting was a way for me to stay involved in baseball, uh, which, you know, eventually led me to Dayton and led to the foundation. But how fulfilling was it for you when you realized that, okay, as much as I want to be a quarterback, you know, this, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It was very fulfilling. I made the transition from quarterback in college to wide receiver. But from there, after being, following my own dreams, following everything that I thought I wanted, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. Finally getting on track. Number one is freeing. It's liberating. To it lifted a great amount of guilt off of me. Ministry is not easy. Ministry can be a struggle, but when you're working in your calling, it's worth it. When you're working in your calling, when you finally get lined up with what your life's calling is and your life's purpose is, things begin to fall in place for you. I was single at the time, struggling. And man, God sent me a wife. That's just awesome. From there, we have a beautiful daughter. And people look back at me like, that guy? Yeah, that guy. Oh, that, that's awesome. So let's let's go back before the ministry piece, because you had been in the nonprofit world before that. What were you doing? Where were you doing it? And and I mean, even, I mean, just working in the nonprofit world for some people is a calling in and of itself. Yes. I began working at a YMCA in Nashville, Tennessee, leading the urban outreach program initiatives, inner city kids, was able to go back to the housing projects, to the housing developments that I grew up in, in Nashville, to help young people. There was a program called YWOLF, Youth Working on Leadership and Fitness. I was helping youth try to get a plan to go to college, trying to help youth get out of the urban core. And I worked from there 
from there, I took a bigger job, a bigger career opportunity in Evansville, Indiana. Was there seven and a half years in what I call the biggest, smallest town you'll ever live in. Great people. Some families adopted me. Still working in nonprofits in that area of ministry helped me to fulfill the need to help people, help them grow one of the one of the largest, the best quality urban outreach. They get uh, programs. They gave me a fancy title called community development director. I was the community development director. I had a business card, had a title. And then I interacted with bank presidents. I spoke to United Way groups. I interacted with major, the CEOs of Red Spot, the CEOs of Atlas Van Lines, the CEOs of American General Finance, the CEOs of Shoe Carnival. I interacted with, with, with community, with, with university presidents at that time. We raised a lot of money. We had a lot of fun and we helped a lot of kids try to transform their lives. Mm -hmm. You can look at that. And if, if somebody hears that part of your story, and if you're doing that today, they say, man, that's our trails calling. That's, that's it. Why did you feel compelled or why did you feel called to do something else? I, I think it, it kind of goes along with it. When you're working in nonprofits and I still work in nonprofit world today, as well as I'm a minister at a church in Kansas city, Kansas, but it's a deeper calling. When you get truly honest with yourself and you stand transparent before God, all that other stuff, that's good work. But for me, he had a bigger calling for me. I knew that I could make, I could make equal or greater changes in churches, as well as my passion for turning nonprofits around and helping people in nonprofits. Nonprofit management is nonprofit management, no matter where you do it. And so from there, I came to the YMCA of Greater Kansas City. And I worked there in an urban outreach ministry, uh, leading a chaplain work and doing urban outreach work there. And it really was able to, to transform lives in Kansas City. But God still had a greater call for me in ministry and ministry work. This is J.R. Buckner, President and CEO of First Federal Bank of Kansas City. We hope you're enjoying this week's conversation. For this week's Student Spotlight, I'd like you to meet one of the students in our C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. My name is Lisa Vokchanta, and I go to Wyandotte High School. And my favorite thing about C10 is doing the service projects. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is proud to make a donation this week to the Post High School Scholarship Fund for seniors in the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. If you'd like to join us in this effort to give our future leaders an opportunity after high school, please click on the link in the show's notes. Now back to this week's conversation. As you think about one, your one good thing or your one moment that moved you to, you know, I'm going to go two different directions with this one to the preaching side and then two CFS. What was that? Was there just this one seminal moment for you with each of those? No, I believe that it is, it's not the destination. It's the journey. It's a lifeline, a lifetime of things that are leading you to a moment. For instance, I knew ministry. I knew I needed to be in ministry. I knew that that was going to be my calling to transform and change people's lives. So I took a little small church in Topeka, Kansas. We doubled it. I took a small church from it was the it was the East Side Church there, the East Side Church of Christ. And we doubled. We even went and they gave us a new church building. We doubled. That's just ministry. That's dealing with people. That's just be me truly to my identity, be true to my calling. 
uh, it's it's not preaching that gets you. It's managing people. It's it's the stuff. So from there, nonprofits. Since I had that that knack, that gifting to come in and turn nonprofits around, to inter- interface with donors, to interact with donors. God sent me to a little place called Christian Family Services. And so at Christian Family Services, we work hard every day. The one good thing to help kids get adopted, we can we connect children to families through adoption. We work with birth mothers to choose life for the child. We minister to this young woman and encourage them through this process and let them know that adoption is an option. If she does, if she does not think she's good enough to parent, or she doesn't feel that she has the love for the child, or if she feels that she can't offer a stable home environment. Therefore, children grow up in a loving, stable family where they can thrive, become productive citizens, and make the world a better place. I think Frederick Douglass may have said it best. It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. For lack of a better term, what was scariest for you in those first couple of years? Oh, are we going to be able to meet the budget? Am I going to be <laughs> successful with this? Let's just let's just be honest here, man. Nonprofits are, you know, who's this donor base? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I think that you once you get past your ego and you realize the work has to come into play. I, I'm be honest with you, man. I don't think too many people have given you anything. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think you had to earn it. You may have had some some leg ups, and you know, but 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 you had to earn it. You may have used some connections. You use who you know to get you there, but what you know keeps you there. Right. And so, man, I, I, I'm just be honest with you. I, I realize I have to be three times better. Just let's just be clearly honest. Me at, at running CFS, mm-hmm. I had to be three times better. And I'm probably going to have to work five or six times harder to get the respect, credibility. So that's the way we went. And we were very successful. We're struggling in some areas now because of COVID and trying to rebound. But, man, I realized we had to come in and, and change some things. We had to go smaller. Uh, we had to go smaller office space. And that's just the, the big decisions that you've got to make to be best stewards of people's money and nonprofits. So it it, it, it was, it was uh, you know, I, I figured I could get the job done, mm-hmm. but I knew that I was going to have to work harder. Me, just who I am, knowing that I just can't sometimes walk into your office. You know, I, I've got to have somebody to usher me in there. And really me being me, and 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 realize that man, I, I'm just that's the way it is from where I'm from and who I am, race excluded. But I had to work harder. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your your childhood, single parent, et cetera, et cetera. How much does that did that help guide you early on, or how much did that help motivate you, particularly early on, and maybe still today at at CFS? As I tell people all the time, we're not there yet. But man, those childhood memories of being with my grandmother was driven. She was a school teacher. She would have us out candy sales. She was, she would have us out. Hey, you, we're going, we're going to work hard. She had us washing clothes on a rug board. She had us hanging clothes on it. That's just going up in the country in Lewisburg, Tennessee. That's just who we were. You know, it, it wasn't nothing given to us. We had to work for it. She's okay. First thing I'm going to buy you, I'm going to buy you some, I'm going to buy you a lawnmower so you can go out and cut grass. But before you learn that, you got to get a sling blade and go out here and cut grass. And so, we just we just we just work hard. And that, those those are the things that drive you that that, you know, that drive you. My my, my grandparents were bricklayers. And so we just kind of but but I'm not there yet. I'm not. This is is nothing. Not, this means really all this is is all this stuff is is fine. But 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 I'm sure you asked me about my mission or my vision. 
it's really at the end of the day, even with a doctor degree, that means nothing. If I'm not understanding of people or better yet, mm -hmm. if I'm not a committed husband, a caring dad and a Christ centered minister, I'm nothing. All this is just stuff. It's just right. it's just stuff, man. It's, it's just stuff. And we miss that. We miss those important things trying to climb a corporate ladder. And that's good. But if we're not genuine to who we are and we're not in genuine relationship with the Lord, I, I just believe we're going to struggle. And because we're going to always be searching for something and grasping for something and trying to find meaning in something and things that it can't give you meaning. Right. Well, and and I asked you about the most, the scariest, the most challenging or whatever, but on the flip side of that, particularly early on, but what was most invigorating for you? Most invigorating was to see, you know, hey, nine adoptions in one year, hmm. to see the number of kids that we were helping get counseling for kids in foster care, to see the number of lives that we're making whole from account from counseling that we're doing at CFS, and to see those that that one year abandoned year for CFS to have nine adoptions, <laughs> wow! And it was just kind of like, man, it was all the Lord. We just got out of the way. We, you know, we just put it in His hands and worked at it, and then everything else fell in place. Yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to get out of the way, though, isn't it? It is. It is, especially if you're driven, if you're a driven individual, if you're driven, it's sometimes hard to get out of the way. And then it's sometimes hard to be in the second chair. It's sometimes that's just hard. You know, it's just kind of when we thought that life was going to be this or that, that stuff is hard sometimes. So that's just that's his plan. That's his teaching moments with us. Yeah. Working in the nonprofit world, we experience the highest of highs, I think, and we experience the lowest of lows. And, and obviously, ministry, the same type of deal for you. But what do you personally take from this? And that's that's a, that's a good question. I think I personally take some of this. One is don't take it personal. It's just, <laughs> hey, man, it's, you know, and then I really am going to be honest with you. Enjoy the struggle. Enjoy the small stuff because this is character building. Mm -hmm. Every day, it might be tough. It might be rough. Funds may not be there, but it's character building. It's character building. And then that God has a greater call on your life beyond you. All this other stuff that you're thinking, you're saying, man, his in his world, just being a servant in his kingdom and understanding his mission and what his call is for your life. He'll humble you. He'll teach you. Yeah. He'll encourage you. He'll give you the strength you need uh, through your through your uptimes, through your downtimes. And finally, I'm stronger than I am as long as I'm as I'm with him because I can't do this in my own strength. Yeah. What motivates you on a daily basis? Man, just uh, it's, it just comes from a, 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 a different place. It comes from a place of that. All I can do is what I can control. From a corporate standpoint, as I merge the spiritual with the secular, the fear of failure and I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. I got, I got too many people watching me. I got a daughter. I, I got a wife. I, I don't want to fail. I got a church uh, looking at me. I cannot fail morally. I've got some people at CFS depending on me. I cannot fail there. So, but, 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 but the deep motivation comes from a deeper sense of, Hey man, uh, God has got this. I'm his child. This is not a prosperity theology. It's just more of, Hey man, let's go work hard at it. Let's, let's be genuinely who you are. And um, you may not always have what you want, but you'll have what you need. Yeah. Has your one good thing changed over the years or your view of the one good thing? 
Yeah, I think we do several one good things. Yeah. I think that we limit ourselves into a box to do one good thing. But I think a lot of us are doing one good thing on so many different fronts. I think at the core, it's always been to help people reach their God-given potential. That would be done in, in different ways. So, but I think that if we, you know, we were just doing that one good thing. Uh, and I think that, I think there's the one good thing that you do externally, but I think there's the one good thing that you got to do or the every day with your family. I think it's your everyday walk that people know what you're doing. So if you could go back and talk to a 17 year old Artrell today, what would you tell him? What, what's that song? Dear younger me, <laughs> get it together. <laughs> what are you doing? Hey, don't make this about you. You have way so much more potential than you think you have. You have to develop a deeper belief in you. You have to develop a deeper faith. You have to know that you have the potential and the ability um, to reach goals. Probably dream bigger, probably dream bigger, probably dream bigger, probably uh, uh, take the time to hear people, to understand people. uh, don't, don't, don't make college this long or, 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 you know, um, I would, I would just, just sit down with that guy and, and, and understand him and, and, and probably would give him a little bit more forgiveness, but I would, I would hold him a little bit more accountable. I would, I would hold him a lot more accountable. I would hope that he would have had a lot more discipline in his younger years. He would have, he could avoid a lot of heartache if he had had a lot more discipline. Well, that does it for this episode of the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we hope that you'll leave a favorable review on your favorite podcast platform. If you didn't enjoy it or you have other comments or suggestions for potential guests, you can click on the comment link in the show's notes. We drop a new episode at the end of every week, but be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an interview. And if you or your company would like to help underwrite this podcast, let me know. Until next time, this is Matt Folks for the CU and Major Leagues Foundation saying be safe and take care.